Hi guys, it's Trish with Mom Jeans and Crime Scenes. I am so glad that you're here with me tonight. I have a story. It is not a Utah story. It's actually a hometown story from one of my viewers who reached out to me and she has since become a friend that I adore, which a lot of you guys have already like done that. You guys, a lot of you have reached out to me and we've just become friends and I just love it. And yeah, I'm so thankful that you're here with me. But this story is a story from Kansas and I'm way excited. But before we jump into it, just a couple things that we need to take care of, you know, some business. Uh, like if you have not subscribed, you totally should because I love having you here with me. Like, I love it. I love you guys being here. It's so much fun. Also, like this video because that helps me out a lot. It just pushes this video out to YouTube so people see it. And yeah, leave some comments below. Make sure that they're nice and classy to me, nice and classy to the people around you. Um, yeah, because we're just a kind crowd and I love, I haven't had any problems really, but just a reminder. Let's see. Oh, okay. So Facebook, Instagram, I'm on those. Go check me out over there. I absolutely love using Instagram and Facebook and talking to you guys on those. And I'm on TikTok now. So that's it's kind of exciting. I actually am really loving it. I wasn't sure if I would, but I love it. So go hang out with me on TikTok, TikTok, mom jeans and crime scenes. And I'm sharing like fun serial killer facts, just like little skits and things like that. Just a different side to mom jeans and crime scenes than what I, sh I have here. So yeah, I think it's fun. Definitely go check me out there and we'll have, we'll have a good time. So we're going to get into the story now and it is about a woman named Brenna Stewart Bollinger and it is so sad. Her story just really like got my heart and I have been really anxious to share it with you guys and hopefully we can make a difference in sharing it. So we're going to, we're going to step into it right now. Brenna Stewart was born on August 11th, 1988 in Kansas. Brenna grew into a beautiful woman. She loved sports. And she was very athletic, really, really good at sports. She was also popular with the boys in school. She always had their attention. And while in high school at the age of 17, Brenna had a baby boy whom she named Dason. Even though she was a young mom, she loved her little guy, and she worked hard to take care of him the very best a young, a young mom could. She was just a super cute mama. Fort Scott is a rural, rural town in Kansas. They had just under 3,000 people living there. If you live in this town and you haven't actually met someone there, you have definitely heard about them, and you know their stories, their drama, and words get around fast anytime there's gossip to share. As I researched the story and put together the puzzle of what led to the tragic events that unfolded, I do wonder how much of the gossip and the small town talk that played a role into Brenna's demise. But before we really get into that, let's step into the crime scene. In 2008, Brenna started dating a man named Brent Bollinger. Their relationship was a whirlwind romance. They were married in 2009 and Brenna moved into Brent's home. Brent even adopted Brenna's little boy, who was three at the time. Brenna and Brent soon had another baby boy that they named Bryson. Things seemed like they were going well for the new little family. And while they appeared to be happy in a lot of ways, it was also not a secret that their relationship was somewhat rocky. I think rocky is a nice way to put it. There were times it was destructive and abusive. In 2010, 
Brenna filed for a divorce. However, the couple ended up reconciling after Brent begged her and begged her to come back to him, and they tried to make it work out. While she wanted it to work and she was willing to try to make her marriage a good one, things did not exactly get better at all. There were loud fights, there was a lot of heartbreak, and there was a whole lot of jealousy. Brent had gotten a job working for the railroad. Friends and acquaintances of Brent said that this job, it had him gone often. And he started getting jealous if he heard of Brenna talking to other men in town. And as I said before, Brenna was an attractive woman. Even though she was married, this did not stop the local men around Fort Scott, even the married ones, from looking and wishing it could be a little more than just talking. She had a pretty smile, and people really liked to be around her. But it was also pretty well known that Brenna was Brent's, and it was best to stay away because Brent had a little temper, and he could be somewhat unpredictable in his behavior. In fact, his temper, jealousy, and controlling personality really started to wear on Brenna. She confided, confided to many friends that she wasn't sure she could take much more and that she was even scared of Brent. Honestly, her friends were really scared for her as well. While Brent and Brenna had a passionate love and they, you know, when they were having a good day, it was equally tumultuous on the bad days. And there were a lot of bad days. Many of their friends would beg her to get out of the relationship. They were so afraid for her life and what Brent was capable of doing to hurt her or maybe even the boys. Having Brent gone was also hard on Brenna. She was a young mom raising two little boys and she really needed and wanted attention from her man. I think she finally got to the point that she was ready to listen to her friends and get out of her rocky marriage. So Brenna started making plans to get out. She also started to date other men. I will get to this in just a minute, but it's important to understand where Brenna's mind and heart were at as she started kind of making plans to get out of her marriage that she felt like she could no longer fight for. In mid-October of 2011, Brenna took a big step towards breaking free from Brent. The couple had a joint account at a local bank. Brenna had gone into the bank to withdraw money, $700 to be exact. Now, this part really, really bothers me. I am unsure if someone called Brent and told him that she was there or if he'd been following her around and watching her every move. That's kind of what I think. But Brent showed up at the bank too. He realized she was pulling money from their account and he started a huge fight with her at the bank. He made quite the scene and left Brenna shaking. People at the bank didn't even know what the money was being withdrawn for exactly or why Brent was so angry over it. But all they knew was that Brenna was scared and rightfully so. That day, Brenna came into Walmart where she purchased a money order for $700 from her best friend's cousin. Now, as I said, Fort Scott's a pretty small town and people tend to run around in the same circles and they know your business. So when Brenna purchased the money order at Walmart and not from the, the joint bank account, this kind of raised eyebrows for the people who knew her. And the rumor was that she was planning to use that money to get a lawyer and get a divorce. And it turned out the rumor was true. 
Later on that day, while Brenna was still out of the house, Brent went home and he broke furniture that Brenna's grandmother had given her. Furniture that she cherished dearly. He didn't even care or bat an eye. What a freaking asshole. He's destroyed them. He then turned his anger towards the TV and in a rage of red, he punched their TV. In fact, he left a huge hole in it. And if, as if this isn't bad enough, you guys, Brent went, he grabbed a bunch of Brenna's clothes, he threw them out of the house, and he burned it all in the backyard. Like, he took her clothes, you guys, her bras, her underwear, and he freaking burned them. Does that sound like a sweet, loving husband who has any hope at all to reconcile his relationship? Because even after he does this, he tells people he wants to make their relationship work. He tells everyone around town that he loves her still, but he just broke all her, her precious furniture and he burns her clothes. It just does not make sense to me. This was really probably not the first time that Brenna had experienced Brent's wrath behind closed doors. In fact, a witness to this particular scene said that Brenna yelled at Brent. I don't care. Brent just burned down the damn house, burned the race car. I don't care. I don't care anymore. She was done with this turbulent relationship that she was in. In fact, she had already moved on. While Brenna was planning on a divorce for a little while now, it was in the last couple of weeks that she had started living her life as a woman ready for a divorce. She started talking to a man named Jason Harris, who had been a friend of hers and Brent's for years. They had started to get serious in their text messages and their social media messages to each other. And about a week before Brenna would give Brent divorce papers, Brenna met Jason at a friend's house and picked him up to go for a drive. They ended up at a cemetery just outside the town and they talked all night about their relationship, about her relationship with Brent and where the relationship between her and Jason was going. And at some point, you know, one thing led to another and Brenna and Jason ended up having sex. At around 2.30 a.m., Brenna had to take Jason back home because Brent kept calling her and wanted to see her. At the time, Jason was living with a friend and it sounds like this friend did not like what was going on between Jason and Brenna and felt like Brent Bollinger needed to know about the affair. But that did not stop anything. Brenna and Jason would continue to meet through the week. In fact, one night, Jason borrowed a phone from his friend Eric because his, I guess, was not working, and he started texting Brenna throughout the night. Eric was very familiar with the Bollingers, and once he knew that Jason was texting Brenna, he started to get worried about the situation. Brenna came and picked up Jason from the pub that he was at with his buddies, and a lot of people watched him climb into Brenna's car. This is probably gold for a small town. Now, you have to understand that while Jason Harris is friends with all of the, these buddies of his at the pub, they are all friends with Brent, too. So they're kind of pissed at Brenna and Jason, and they decide they might have to tell Brent what is going on. Now, things kind of start to get a little bit weird, and you'll see what I mean. Brenna and her friend Julie had gone out to eat. Julie was worried about Brenna, 
They worked together and Brenna had work, had left work early that day because she had been up all night with Jason Harris the night before. While they were out to dinner, Brenna told Julie all about being out with Harris and what was going on in that relationship. And I am sure Julie wanted her friend to be happy, but she was also probably a little bit worried knowing that Brent has those jealousy issues. This was definitely not something that anyone, anyone in their right mind would want to have get back to Brent. While on their way back home, Brenna got a flat tire. So they called Julie's friend, Derek Cagle. I say friend, but I'm using that term loosely because it's implied during the trial that Derek and Julie may have been, you know, seeing each other. Derek was going to try to help fix Brenna's tire, but instead Brenna took it to town and filled it with air on her own. However, she and Derek did meet up after that, I think with the purpose of Derek checking on her tire. The two ended up going for a ride in Derek's car. They talked about her relationship with Brent and his relationship with Julie. They even talked about what was going on between her and Jason Harris. He had heard that she was out with Jason Harris the night before through a mutual friend, of course. And, you know, word gets around in a small town. He just wasn't sure if the rumor was true or not. But I do believe that Brenna did tell him about her relationship with Jason Harris and, okay, I don't want it to sound like I'm going to be judgy here, but I do feel like that this is important to the story and it does set a path for what happens in the following days. So, Brenna and Derek end up having sex. He said they had been drinking and that it was not planned. It was just kind of a thing that happened, but he also said it was the first time they had ever had sex with each other. He ended up taking her back to her car but they continued to text and talk throughout that week. She even told him she was planning on getting a divorce, something she had not yet told Brent. Brent, who was friends with Derek, talked to Derek that week as well. He told Derek that he was aware of Jason and Brenna's relationship, but I do not believe he was aware of what happened with Derek and Brenna, however, and that he wanted to still make things work with Brenna. He also made threats against Jason Harris. He actually made threats about Jason to many people. The night of the fire. Derek and Jason have both told Brenna she needs to stay away from the house alone, even if Brent is not there. No one thinks it's safe for her to be there alone given Brent's violent tendencies and his temper. Derek goes to the hometown pub, the same pub that these guys go to basically every night. And of course he sees Jason there and he tells Jason that he talked to Brent and that Brent was supposed to be out of town, but he was seen in town. So he's pretty worried that Brent is going to come in that night to start a fight with Jason, or who knows, maybe even kill him. Jason, who had bought a new phone that day, said he had been talking to Brenna, that she was at the house packing, something both men agreed that they did not want Brenna at the house alone. But while they were on the phone, Brent came in and Jason could hear Brent yelling at Brenna, swearing at her, and that there was some kind of a commotion. Before the line went dead, his attempts at reaching her had failed, and he was tempted to go over to figure out what was going on. But of course, he was a little bit worried about that because Brent was unpredictable and he didn't really know how that would go over or what would happen if he went over to the house, especially you know, knowing that one of the little boys was there. So he decided to just keep trying to call her. 
Now, while they were talking, they hear fire trucks go by. Soon after that, Derek gets a phone call saying that the Bollinger home is on fire because, you know, it's a small town and people, you know, get that word out fast. The ice cold chills run down the men's spine. Brenna had been laying on her three-year-old son Bryson's bed with him, trying to get him to go to sleep so she could pack her things up while Brent was supposed to be gone. She had told him the night before that she wanted a divorce and had papers for him. She would make sure that he got the papers soon, but she did not want to see him because she was afraid of the scene that he would make, and she did not want this divorce to be any harder than it already was. She was upset. She was scared. But she also knew she was one step closer to the freedom she craved. She was only 23. She knew she had so much out there for her. Her mom was watching her oldest son, Dason, so that she could hopefully get more done at the house. She laid down with Bryson as she talked to Jason Harris on the phone, but she heard someone in the house. She sat up alarmed. Brent was there, and he was upset. Fear gripped her as her husband burst through the doors. He started yelling and screaming at her while she was on the phone. He knew who was on the other line. Word had gotten back to him about the affair Jason and Brenna had. I think it's possible that Brent had even found out about Derek and Brenna as well. Well, while I believe Brent was dangerous anyways, I do think him hearing about these affairs definitely fueled the anger and jealousy he already had burning in him. He lunged at Brenna. Brenna could hear her baby cry. Brent hit her in the head with a golf club. He tried choking her and poured gasoline in the bedroom. Some believe that he was in a rage and not thinking when he set the bedroom on fire. Some believe he planned to go down with the house, but the crying of his three-year-old snapped him back to reality. He grabbed Bryson and dropped Bryson out the window and then jumped himself. The bedroom was blazing. His adrenaline was pumping so hard that he did not realize that he'd set himself and his son on fire. He took his son and started driving to his grandmother's home. He called 911 and reported the fire. He gave the dispatcher the wrong address. The wrong address, you guys. And he did not mention that his wife was laying in the bedroom unconscious in that fire. He left his badly burned son with his grandmother and headed back to the house. This time, calling 911 to give them the correct address. He told Emergency that his wife was in there and that he could not get her out. They arrived quickly. His father, who was the fire chief, also showed up. He was sick to see his son's home on fire. He and another firefighter ran into the house to try to, to save Brenna. But by the time they'd gotten to her, it was too late. Brenna had already taken her last breath. Bryson was located at his great-grandmother's home. His burns were serious, and they life-flighted him to Shriners Children's Hospital in Ohio, where he would stay for about a month. Brent told police that he and Brenna had gotten into a fight, and somehow in the commotion, he had been doused with something wet, and that he'd blacked out at some point, only waking when he heard his baby crying and realized the room was on fire. Sounds like a bunch of crap to me. He had also said that he was cutting wood, and that he'd gotten 
gasped from the chainsaw on him, and he lit a cigarette, and it caused a fire. He really couldn't keep his story straight. His father did later on say that he noticed a red gas can by Brent's truck, but did not at the time believe it was related to the fire. Brent almost got away with murder, you guys. He thought he was smart. He was the son of the fire chief after all, and there was just no way he would investigate. But thankfully, someone did. They realized that this was definitely arson. There was an accelerant that was used, along with witnesses and everything else, investigators were able to build a case against Brent. But it would take months before he was arrested and charged. When the jury convicted him to life in prison, it was bittersweet. It was bittersweet for Brenna's family, for her friends, for the people who loved her and the ones who thought they had, you know, a future with her. Brenna's story is so sad. She was only 23, 23 when she died. That's a baby. She left behind two little boys who've had to grow up not knowing their mommy. They even lost their daddy in this. The boys were raised in two different homes. But it is my understanding they're still able to see each other. They're still able to have a relationship. But man, that breaks my heart so much that they were separated. Brent not only killed his wife and the mom of his children, but he killed the beautiful family he could have had if he'd only been the man that they deserved. That house caught on fire on October 13th, 2011. But really, it had been burning since the day Brenna and Brent got married. If you find yourself in an abusive relationship, there is help out there. Reach out and get help before your story ends up like Brenna's and so many others. Don't go down in a burning house. You guys, if you are finding yourself in an abusive relationship, please, please get help. There are so many crisis centers that can help get you out of this. They can give you the resources that you need. And, you know, some of them will even hide you if they need to. So definitely reach out. If you do not know, you do not know where to find one, reach out to me and I can help do the, the work and find them for you. Or reach out to somebody that you trust, but just reach out. Whatever you do. I am going to post a couple of links. I've got the hotline.org on here. I've also got the YCC Ogden, which is local to where I'm at. Um, and if you're interested in donating, to like seriously, that helps so much. These crisis centers need donations, whether it's monetary, whether it's helping with clothing or other things. A lot of times they'll post on their websites things that they need. Definitely start getting involved in that because that's a one way to make a difference. And that's what we're here for is to make a difference, I think, also, I'm leaving the Shriners um, Hospital for Children, their website here too, if you're interested in donating to them because they obviously, they do great work. They help so many families and they help take care of Brenna's little boy. And so I felt like if I ever monetize off of this video ever, um, I'm definitely going to take a portion of that, those proceeds and help with um, donating to the YCC and to Shriners Hospital because that's super important to me and that's just one way that we can make a difference and sharing the story, please share the story out. I feel like we can, we can make a difference. We can see less of this stuff. So we just have to build an army saying that we're just not gonna tolerate it. So 
I am glad that you guys are here with me. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. And I hope you guys have a good night.